For this is a message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Thanks, James. So, um, a lady goes to church, and uh, as she's walking up, she sees another lady from the church, who she knows really, really does not like her. As she gets closer, this other lady smiles, then she walks over, she kisses her on the cheek and gives her this lovely, warm hug. And so the first lady thinks, wow, that's really good. Off she goes into church. The service proceeds. And then at the end of the service, um, the pastor says, so, um, as you all know, we're doing this series as a church on love. And your homework is going to be the same as last week. Before the next service, You've got to go and love somebody you really, really can't stand. <laughs> so today, our talk is on the theme of God's love. And uh, if you follow the reading and if you're looking at it now in verse 11, the, that section is summed up by the words, the message you have heard from the beginning is we should love one another. Now in this book we've been following, John uh, an apostle is writing uh, a kind of summary of what an authentic Christian faith looks at. And we've looked at other things. Last week we looked at the idea of connecting with God as a child or as a youth or as a parent. And in this chapter, in this section, he wants to communicate the simple truth that we should love one another. Do you know what? We could stop right there. We can stop right there because what you just heard in verse 11 and the bit that follows doesn't actually need any more explanation in order for us to lay a hold of that truth. It is a universal truth that anyone of any age can understand. It's as true in the ancient world when it was first written and first heard as it has been through every generation, as it is in our society, as it is in any other country in the world, as it will be in any place in the future. It is a simple truth. It's the one that Jesus said when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, it's easy. You, number one, love God with all your heart. Number two, love other people like you love yourself. So what we're going to do today is not have a full sermon, but just a half sermon, and then for the second half, we want to engage, as far as it's possible within this setting, in practically taking this idea of loving others as the heart of what it means to follow Jesus in practical ways. And it's Compassion Sunday, and that will give us one opportunity, 
and we also are going to talk about uh, the refugees and how we respond as a community. So that will be explained at the end. We'll have two opportunities. We will break in a few minutes into two groups and we'll have some practical things to do and to talk about and things that will actually result in more practical action following. Just though to unpack some of the things that we read in that passage, I want to pick out two points that were in that section. And the first is this, that this idea of loving with the love of God, we are told, will put us at odds with society in general. That is a really shocking thought. John the writer gives the example of Cain and Abel, one brother killing the other, and the brother that kills, he does it because he's unrighteous, and the one that's killed, we're told, happened because he was righteous. So to pick the side of God's love is to pick a fight with evil. It's not just a fluff, it's maybe not even, a warm, fluffy idea. God is love, poster, kitten in a ball of, balls of wool, smiling, put it on the door, everyone that comes in goes, oh that's so nice. Well, maybe that's one expression of it. But the expression of love that's being described here has some teeth and consequences to it. And just as we uh, have those two words, good and evil, which are derived in the English language from the two words, God and devil, to choose good, to choose God's love, is to position yourself against evil and to place yourself into possible conflict. So John writes, don't be surprised if because of this, the world hates you. Now that tells us that there is a certain quality and colour to this love that is being described. We do think of love as something that's uh, romantic. It's the kind of thing that's portrayed uh, in, in, in uh, films at the cinema, a rom-com. It's that, that kind of idea often springs to mind when we think of um, love. But I suspect this expression of the love of God has some strength to it. Um, any parent knows that you love your children, but in loving them, you may also have some conflict or disagreement. Because the love of the parent is a longing for what is better in the life of the child. And it's not a universal indulgence that whatever somebody wants, they get. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a, an unlimited, permissive love. It is a strong, bold love that has teeth, that has strength to it. And the key thing, I think, that defines it is it's love because it's expressed for the benefit of the other person. So I think John is talking about something like this. Not sloppy love or gooey love. He's talking about tough love, strong love, bold love. And it says in the passage, 
this love will also put us at odds with society, or it may do. Do not be surprised if the world hates you because of that. And again, society probably has a projection of love. When society thinks about church, they probably think church is about love, but they will project onto it whatever their understanding of that love looks like. And if that love actually comes with truth, challenge, content, perhaps even at times disagreement, or um, not this way but that way, it's not surprising that that commitment to that love may put us at odds with society. And the second point is this in verse 18. That the love of God that we are called to embrace as a defining quality of what it means to follow Jesus is essentially practical. You know, people in the Western world are so skilled at talking about stuff that we don't do. It's easy to be an expert because you just write a book. You don't have to have engaged and done something practically in order to be our participants in it. Verse 18 says... This, don't love with just words or the tongue, but with actions in love. And then it's explained in the context of following Jesus. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ lays down his life for us. So this idea of love does not float detached, but is anchored and rooted in the example of Jesus Christ. We can't benefit from the benefits of knowing Christ without engaging with the way of Christ. Jesus laid down his life for our benefit. We can't engage with Jesus in a way that doesn't require us to participate in laying down our lives. In verse 7, he works out one example. There are probably many examples of what it might mean to follow in the way of love, to be patterned according to the pattern of Jesus, the one who laid down his life. And in verse 17, we're given one example, which is this. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity, how can the love of God be in him? And so that's what we're going to engage with in a minute. We're going to talk about in our biggest community, the world, in, in Europe, in places that we know about because we can hear about them, there are uh, deep needs that matter to God. And if we are engaging with loving God, then it's as if we invite God's heart into our heart and say, I now want to let that loose in my own life, so I now respond in the same way that Jesus would if he saw that need. And I think this is really vital. The danger is, this idea of social action, is, is to be a fringe or a project idea of the church. But I think John wants us to see how core and central it is. And in fact, in my other job, when I work with Alpha, I get to work with people who are in churches uh, around the world. And one of the things I know that in many countries, a church that has no compassion for the local poor is utterly irrelevant. 
You see, we put credibility in words, which is what this passage talks about. Uh, our credibility in some church, some churches where I go to speak, I have to sign a document before I'm allowed to speak because they want me to prove that I am authentic. And that authenticity is measured in bullet points and words. So you sign it and then you can preach and do anything you want. No, you can't, but you, but you have to sign it before you speak. But in other parts of the world, the proof that you're a true Christian and the proof that you're a true church or a church worth being bothered about is that whatever that faith is and your worship, whatever your teaching is, it will result in practical outworkings of love for those who are in need. 